28th of September, Justin Timberlake revealed to his 72 million followers on Instagram he was releasing his comeback song with NSYNC. Fans in the comments were ecstatic. Fast forward to the 24th of October and there were over 28,000 comments on this post. But this time, they were all tearing him apart, with the most liked comment being, please stop hating on Justin, I can't like all the comments. Oh my goodness. So the backlash was so intense that Timberlake and his wife Jessica Biel both had to switch off the ability to comment on their Instagram posts. With the recent publication of Britney Spears' book, The Woman in Me, allegations about how Timberlake treated her have sparked a massive conversation, with many reappraising his character. We have a lot to unpack today, Sarah. Many people are saying these Britney revelations confirm what they've already suspected about him, that he's not in fact a good guy. Some even go so far as to say that he's actually built his career off the back of humiliating women. So today we're asking, was the golden boy hiding a darker side all along? Or is this more about the disillusionment that comes when people realize the pop fantasies that we've been sold, those teen dreams, are actually imperfect real people? Let's go straight to the comments to find out. Today, I'm actually recording from the outback in Australia um, with some crazy Wi-Fi and a lot of kangaroos. And it might explain why my Australian accent gets a little bit thicker because, sorry guys, I have no control over it. It comes and goes. And right now, this is where I am. So just a heads up. Yeah, that's so surreal because like, I'm here in Norway and it's getting really freezing. I just said to you that I'm I'm actually really chilly today. I've got my all my woolly clothes on and, and I bet you're sat there in your thongs. Oh, yeah, in my thongs, which for English people is flip-flops, just so you know, because I could, yeah, I'm not wearing I'm not wearing a G-string. Yeah, I actually got sunburned the other day, so that's how hot it is out here. Yeah, we're going oh, into Send some summer. of the sun down the line, please. <laughs> you can have it. So let's start with Justin Timberlake. I was looking up at the comments of his Crimea River video on YouTube, which has nearly 80,000 comments. And I had to scroll quite a way back to find some positive comments, including this one. This song marked the point where I stopped being a closet NSYNC fan and realised JT on his own with Timberland was going to be absolutely huge. When 2006 came round, JT's songs were the coolest. And I had to just check, but the song came out on November the 25th, 2002, so nearly 21 years ago. Why do I always think t the 2000s have just happened and the 1990s are 10 years away? <laughs> yeah. So weird. This is making me feel old, so. <laughs> yeah. But to say I absolutely loved this song and this video, I mean, that opening, you had the rain, the chanting, and then that bass kicks in. We all felt that it was pretty special. Then on top, you had the whole Britney narrative. And I was never actually an NSYNC fan, but I did become a fan of his music, um, especially with Timberland. I, I was just curious. I mean, I never asked you, are you actually a fan of Justin Timberlake? I wouldn't actually call myself a fan of Justin Timberlake. I, I liked NSYNC. Um, I really liked Timberland. And so you just kind of like, I liked his music, but I was never a specific fan of him. I never fancied him or anything. So I, yeah. I wasn't that I wasn't even though I grew up in that time, I wasn't a big Justin Timberlake fan, but I liked some of his songs. I know exactly what you mean. I never really fancied him. I just thought he had great music. Mm. But like I said, here we are nearly what over twenty years ago since the song came out. And his NSYNC comeback is now hanging in the balance. And honestly, I feel like he's now on the verge of being cancelled. Mm. Um I mean it's an incredible change of fate. Yeah. Uh, before this, we he was always seen as having the golden touch from his early days mm. in NSYNC. And then he was 
the one that had the successful solo career and he just seemed to have everything yeah and also always a gorgeous girlfriend you know Cameron Diaz and then Jessica Biel and yes before that Britney so it was a bit of a backstory Timberlake's journey to fame he actually started out as a child star on Disney's all-new Mickey Mouse Club along with Britney Christina and I think is it Ryan Gosling as well Gosling, yeah. yeah so quite a few stars in the making his undeniable talent and boy next door charm he quickly rose to prominence as a member of the popular boy band NSYNC and their success just went off the charts with their record-breaking album No Strings Attached which I I admit I had that album Mm -hmm. but it was Timberlake who was the breakout star of the band they even had an intense rivalry with the Backstreet Boys who I saw in concert earlier this year I can say (laughs) oh yeah I remember um you telling me I and I want you to tell our listeners how you experienced it because it just sounded brilliant it was absolutely amazing it's probably the best concert I've I've been to in terms of enjoying enjoying it was just a huge show and I think it was the nostalgia. There was that 14-year-old in me just being like, ah, and they just embraced it. They weren't trying to be like, we're going to pretend we're not boy bands and we're really cool now. They were like, let's just do peak boy band. There's a lot of hat dancing and, you know, those kind of classic boy band dance moves. And it was just like, you just embraced yeah. it. Yeah, it was brilliant. Did they have the baggy trousers? Wasn't there that, that their thing? They did. And they even threw out like underwear to the crowd as a sort of, and the people were throwing (laughs) underwear at them. And you could see that like the age of the fans had grown because now there was like giant granny knickers being thrown at them. (laughs) (laughs) They were just like, yep, okay, we're used to it. But they they were just enjoying it. And I think that really, that really helped. Throwing them some spanks. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Um, But, you know, going back to Timberlake, to be honest, at the in the early days, all I can think of about him is that hair and, you know, was yes. it natural or did he perm it? Because I, it was so curly, even for me. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm all ringlets, but yeah. Yeah, it was super curly. And I, I think it is natural, but I think it did make him also really stand out. And who could forget those frosted tips, oh, you know, when they really used to tips. highlight it and then gel it. And it was like, literally like set, like... I'm a lemon meringue. <laughs> At the time, that was really, really cool. Um, but <laughs> you look back and you go, oh, no. Oh, my gosh. I'm sure every generation does that. They look back and go, what were we thinking? Yeah. But, but on, in terms of this story, a lot of people sort of think that the highly publicized romance with Britney Spears is what really made him a megastar. They were the it couple at the time. They were seen as the epitome Mm. of young love. And, you know, they captured the hearts of fans worldwide. And someone on Reddit described it as they were like our princess and prince of teen culture. Everyone loved them together and thought they were meant to be. But when they broke up in 2002, fans were heartbroken. So someone said, as a kid, I thought they would get married and have kids together. So when they broke up, I was devastated because they were the king and queen of my little music world. I mean, it actually took quite a bit of turn. When Timberlake released the hit single Crimea River, it actually alluded to Spears cheating on him. And this put him very firmly in the victim role with her cast as the villain. And it was, you know, essentially slut shaming her, but that wasn't a term we kind of Mm. had in those days. And I do think it did have a big impact on how she was seen at the time. And it just catapulted him to stardom, you know, as you said. Absolutely. But it didn't stop there in the way he was talking about Britney. During a 2003 interview with Barbara Walters on 2020, 
The legendary journalist asked him if, if Britney had kept her promise to wait to have sex until marriage. Timberlake immediately burst out laughing. Then I found this comment on Twitter, and I have to say that I'm going to keep using Twitter. I, I can't get used to X. <laughs> Me neither. I'm like, what? So I found this tweet. It said, I worked on a top 40 radio station in the early aughts. I remember Justin Timberlake going on an NYC morning show and agreeing to reveal Britney's sexual history in exchange for extra spins of his single. And how it went was like this. When he was asked if he fucked Britney Spears, he boastfully responded with, OK, yeah, I did it. Oh, see, that's gross, isn't it? I mean, and, and yeah. quite shocking when you see clips of young Britney being repeatedly asked if she's a virgin and her politely mm. telling people she plans to remain celibate until marriage. It's actually quite creepy. And why should anyone be asking, you know, a 16, 17 yes. year old girl this? It's and and both of them, her and, and Justin Timberlake, they were they were from the South where conservative Christianity is very strong. So it sort of makes sense that I think not only was it for their image, but they they really came from that upbringing where those beliefs were very strong. But you can see how clearly a double standard it is, because when he confessed to sleeping with her, it made him the man. But it made her a whore, mm -hmm. not my words, is such an unfair distinction. And, and I think this is where, in hindsight, Timberlake's actions and words, they really did start to contradict his boy next door image. Although I think at the time it was glossed over a lot, it's more that people are now starting to reevaluate it and see, mm, yeah, that's not so cool. Exactly. Because at the time he went on to have, as we know, incredible solo success, you know, with his albums Justified and Future Sex Love Sounds. I mean, he really was the it pop star of the noughties. Mm. His music was the moment. He was the moment. Even Britney seemed to fade in his light. Um, he also ventured into acting, showcasing um, his comedic skills on shows like Saturday Night Live. And I was looking at some of his YouTube comedy clips with Jimmy Fallon. And someone said, always loved the friendship bromance between these two. They're too hilarious when they're together. Lol. And then about his performances on SNL. He is funnier than some of the regular cast. They should add him to the cast. And I think it was this real versatility and talent you know, that seemed to know no bounds, mm. you know, that made him really feel like he was the centre of the entertainment industry. I mean, have you ever seen any of his comedy? You know what? I actually haven't seen that much of it. He's always seemed to me someone who knows how to turn on the charm for the camera at all times. Mm. Um, you know, he had that sort of vibe. Um, and I th maybe it was the Mickey Mouse Club effect. I mean, he'd grown up performing since he was a child. So it's all this sort yeah. of performance. Where does the performance end? And, and I actually remember this time when he kept dancing behind his wife, Jessica Biel, at the Oscars, and he wasn't letting her have her moment when she was photographed. And it just seemed a bit strange. Like he always needed, he always needed to be the guy, the clown, the cool guy. Yeah. And, and I felt like, I remember that moment. It's almost like he has to have all the attention. Mm. And um, I also think there's a little bit of a tinge of meanness in some of his sort of skits and jokes. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but back in 2007, he was asked to accept an award on behalf of Prince at the Golden Globes. And he squatted down to speak into the microphone, seemingly make a dig at Prince Prince's small stature. He wishes he's Prince. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. He should be so lucky. Exactly. And just like no one was having it back then. Mm. They thought it was weird. And and, and in fact, writer Rick, uh, Rich uh, Juzwiak wrote back in 2007 that not only is Timberlake a douchebag, he's also the type of guy who laughs at his own unfunny jokes. Oh, that's a sick burn. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, that they're the worst. 
you know what's funny is I do repeatedly keep seeing comments about what a douchebag he is and and not just new ones and I had to dig through quite a few stories so here are just some of them so apparently in a GQ interview in 2013 he shared I grew up with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder so sometimes I find it funny that I've been able to acquire the patience it takes to be kind to people in our business because sometimes I just want to fucking kill everybody okay oh god you know yeah. I, I get that feeling scary but, you know yeah you'd think someone who's gone through a lot of PR wouldn't say that and then in 2003 he told Rolling Stone that what I did with Justified was 10 times better than anything NSYNC has ever done in 2017 he said he cared more about the music than some of the other people in the group right which is really kind of biting the hand that, that fed you yeah when he received lukewarm reviews for his 2020 experience double album he said, so I find it ironic that I'm doing an interview with you about Man of the Air when I feel literally like a bunch of people just took a shit on my face. And that's what he told GQ about the reviews. <laughs> Where did all this vitriol come from? It's mean and I'm not cut out for it. Which again, surprises me. He's been famous for a long time. Yeah. He's never had negative comments. You'd think that that would be par for the course unless someone's been keeping them from him. And then when it came to his failed movie career, he whined about that too. So he said to, in the same GQ interview, he said, the movie didn't do well at the box office, so, so I should quit. Hold on a second. If I was somebody else, you wouldn't have said that. I have the number one album this week and I shouldn't have released it. I get it kicking back at people who are just negative and always trying to tear you down. But I do mm. think that someone who's been in that level of fame, this isn't new to him, should know how to rise above it. And then mm. Lauren Conrad from reality TV show The Hills said, the biggest letdown was Justin Timberlake. And she told Us Weekly back in 2007, I've always loved him and he was a disappointment at the VMAs. Whitney Port and I presented him with an award. We were so excited and he wouldn't even take the award from us. You know, it's, that's fairly unchivalrous. Um, it's not like she has yeah. personally um, destroyed civilization and he's making a, a you know, a morality stand. Yeah. So a bit much and I find that interesting because I don't remember all these stories but I, I do remember that moment because a lot of people were like oh he was too good to accept an award from reality tv stars you know people really looked down on it mm. um, back sort of then but I think the biggest story we all know is the Janet Jackson and Nipplegate story yeah which I will just do a quick recap on um, but if we all remember it was in 2004 and during the Super Bowl halftime Tim Blake took the stage with Janet Jackson promising a sexy performance. However, things took an unexpected turn when he ripped off a part of her top, exposing her jewellery-adorned nipple for about half a second. I mean, we all know that this live moment created a worldwide scandal, leading to countless complaints and a hefty fine for the TV network CBS. It was also the start of the term wardrobe malfunction. Mm. Uh, and despite multiple apologies, Jackson took the brunt of the blame and according to Rolling Stone, Viacom blacklisted her by keeping her music videos off their properties, including MTV, VH1 and the radio stations that were under their umbrella. Um, and also CBS banned her from the Grammy Awards uh, in February 2004. And many people uh, online say that her career never really recovered. Yeah. And Timberlake, on the other hand, emerged relatively unscathed. He even attended and won the Grammys that year, showing little remorse for the incident. His apology was lukewarm and with him stating, I'm sorry that anyone was offended by the wardrobe malfunction during the halftime performance at the Super Bowl. When asked about the incident 10 years later, he joked, I'm not touching that thing with a 10 foot pole. 
for me personally, it seemed like that whole thing was blown way out of proportion, the mm-hmm. reaction to it. But I think some of it was in America, Super Bowl is watched by kids as well. So it was very much that kind of, yeah. um, you know, conservative America being like, you know, this is unfair on our kids. But when you looked at how there was such a different outcome, he really seemed to distance himself from that scandal quickly and radically. And he just left it all on Janet. And so, you know, with that kind of performance, as we said, you know, her wearing that nipple ring, and they would have had rehearsals, it's hard to believe that he didn't know it was going to happen, which is kind of the tack he Mm. took, which was, oh, I'm a victim here. This just happened to me. They did it without my knowledge or it was an accident. But then I will say on the other side, I doubt that he personally engineered whatever PR strategy they took afterwards. I imagine his team will have told him to deny everything and he went along with it because, you know, that's the way things tend to work in that industry. The thing with the Janet Jackson situation is that a lot of people commented that for years he tried to affiliate himself with black artists and appropriate sort of black music. While this is nothing new, I know, thinking of Elvis, it has been seen as very opportunistic. I found this comment on Reddit. He has thrown shade at black legends for years, Janet, Michael and Prince, while stealing from them and collaborating with them on records with their estates after the latter two passed away, knowing damn well they hated him while they were alive. Then another. What boundaries did Timberlake push that MJ and Prince didn't do already? He's just a white guy that can dance to black music. Yes, he had catchy songs and a good performer, but is he groundbreaking? No. And then there's this sort of moment in Britney's book, which is going viral, which is about when Timberlake and her were dating, they ran into the R&B singer Genuine and Justin greets him saying, oh yeah, for shiz, for shiz, Genuine. What's up, homie? And I can almost hear him saying that and look at my bad acting, which apparently in the audiobook is done by Michelle Williams and much better. (laughs) Yeah, that, yeah, I'm sort of getting secondhand embarrassment. And at the same time, you go, I mean, how old was he? 19, 19 year olds are idiots mostly. Sorry to any 19 year olds <laughs> listening. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that is quite embarrassing. There was also an incident at the BET or the Black Entertainment Awards, and Timberlake tweeted that he had been inspired by the speech that actor Jesse Williams gave while accepting the Humanitarian Award that July. But unfortunately, things got heated when journalist Ernest Owens tweeted a clapback. And what he said was, so does this mean you're going to stop appropriating our music and culture? Um, And he wrote that before bringing up the aforementioned Super Bowl scandal and said, and apologize to Janet too. Um, But Timberlake's response was, oh, you sweet soul, the more you realize that we are the same, the more we can have a conversation. Bye. Very righteous. I mean, yeah, like his tone. Bye. That's like, like... Yeah, I can't believe he actually wrote that. I'm sorry, he does sound pompous. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's the kind of thing that only makes things worse as well. Um, He should have just ignored it. But it it obviously didn't go the way he thought it was because uh, just hours later, he issued an apology. He said, I feel misunderstood. I responded to a specific tweet that wasn't meant to be a general response. I shouldn't have responded anyway. Um, And he added, I was truly inspired by Jesse Williams' speech because I really do feel that we are all one, a human race. I apologize to anyone that felt I was out of turn. I have nothing but love for you and all of us. And I definitely have the vibe that he didn't write that, you know. I mean, maybe he did. Maybe he did. But um, I imagine his PR team were like, you need to fix this problem. Stat. Yeah. 
You know, before all this Britney stuff kicked off recently, I genuinely had to Google what he's been up to lately. Mm. The only thing I can really remember is I Can't Stop the Feeling, that really um, fun, upbeat sort of kids song from the Trolls movie. But that was back in 2016. I know he sort of rebranded himself at one point with his Man of the Woods album in 2018. Um, He basically looked like a Norwegian man hiking in the woods. (laughs) (laughs) Just your type then. Yeah, exactly. But there was this pitchfork review of the album. Man of the Woods is a misstep large enough to merit relitigating Timberlake's status as a pop superstar. How much of his career should we chalk up to fortune, privilege and essential malleability? It's working with Frail Williams and Timberland, Pantheon-level producers who collaborated extensively with Timberlake at or near the peak of their powers and continue to do so. And an act of creative genius or just kismet? There may be no definite answers, but Man of the Woods' failures invites these questions. I mean, I have to be honest, I haven't even heard of those last few albums. He just seems to like continue to float around as Justin Timberlake, but I, I didn't know what he was doing. True. But it definitely feels like he struggled to reclaim his position at the forefront of pop culture. And there was this comment that I saw where they said, in a world where we have Bieber, Bruno Mars and The Weeknd, we don't need Justin Timberlake. Yeah, that's so true. They've really sort of moved into his position. So I think we're starting to see a pattern of inauthenticity. And this brings us to the big part of our episode. And that is Britney Spears' new book, which apparently is the best-selling celebrity memoir of all time. I think this might be for one day of sales, but it's been insane, hasn't it? It has. And it feels like the Daily Mail has snippets every (laughs) two hours Hours. that they're releasing. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I think she's been through a lot. So there's part of me that goes good on her. I don't know how much she actually wrote herself. But um, in Britney's memoir called The Woman in Me, she's revealed multiple alleged things about Timberlake. So we're just going to go over a couple of them. In 2000, when the singer was just 19, she underwent an abortion because Timberlake didn't want to be a father. And what she said about that was, I love Timberlake so much. I always expected us to have a family together one day. This would just be much earlier than I'd anticipated. But Timberlake definitely wasn't happy about the pregnancy. He said we weren't ready to have a baby in our lives, that we were way too young. If it had been left up to me alone, I never would have done it. And yet Timberlake was so sure that he didn't want to be a father. So following this surprise revelation, fans, and to be honest, the fact that they were able to keep that quiet at the time Mm. was amazing Mm. because people, I mean, I think the paparazzi were just like hiding in the trees for them all the time. Oh my God, this was peak sort of Perez Hilton era as well, wasn't it? Do you remember how they were so invasive? Yeah. I mean, I'm impressed that they kept that a secret. But um, fans have now sort of speculated that Spears' 2003 music video for her song Every Time was actually alluding to her abortion. Mm. Um, She also claimed that he cheated on her with another celebrity, although she does admit to kissing another person during their relationship. Finally, apparently Timberlake broke up with her via a text just minutes before she went to film her video for the song Overprotected. Um, She says she was devastated and wanted to stop making music after they called it quits. What she wrote was, I was comatose in Louisiana and he was happily running around Hollywood. And apparently um, the text message allegedly just said it's over, which is Mm. very direct. And as you can imagine, there's been a huge outpouring of grief and a reevaluation of Timberlake in in light of some of these allegations. Yeah. And like I said, he had what, like 27, 28,000 comments on his last post. And I, I'll just give you a snippet of some of the comments. 
How do you plan to repair all these 23 years? You based everything on a lie and played the martyr. And then this comment is referring to how he held up publication of her memoir with lawyers. Instead of admitting your mistakes and apologising after many years, you preferred to hire an army of lawyers, hoping that the truth would never see the light of day. You wanted to pay for the silence of a woman who remained silent for years in pain and loneliness. Disgusting. And like I said, Sarah, it was just like this was a repetition. You just saw comment after comment along these lines. Just absolute, frankly, just hate and disgust. Yeah. And obviously, we like to give both sides. So, um, you know, there were actually commenters who were defending him. It wasn't all, but they were, you know, fewer and far between. There was one that says, they were children and beginning to experience life. Who can possibly hold either one of them as exemplary role models? Silly to discuss a relationship when both parties were so young. Brittany may have lots of regrets and lives in the past. And finally, at this point, I'm sick of her twirling around half naked and not accepting any responsibility for any fault. Not her fault her marriages fail. Not her fault she's a bad mom. Not her fault for a breakup. Grow up. I think it is really important to see that there are two sides to this story. But we all know that he went out there so publicly at the start of all this, you know, leading Mm. and shaping the narrative. Like you said, that he engaged in some form of slut shaming of Britney. And she describes herself as the the abortion as being agonising. We really can't grasp the impact this has had on her. No, exactly. I mean, I think, and this is all conjecture, but given her background, there's bound to be a lot of shame associated with abortion. I'm personally firmly pro-choice. But it's such a big decision to make when you're really young, especially when you're surrounded by teams of people who are no doubt pushing their own agenda because they're making a lot of money off of you. Yeah. And also to have to do it in secret because you're afraid someone's going to splash it all over the news. I mean, that's a whole added pressure that most people don't have. Um, Then at the same time, you know, it's an absolutely huge responsibility to be a parent. And and I can also really understand him like not wanting to have an unplanned child at that age especially when they're in the white heat of megastardom, that's going to also be really tough. So I think they were just in a really difficult situation, to be honest. Yeah. And like um, you said, like normally we wouldn't hear about these things. It's like, what is it our business, really? They were young. But Mm. I think it's also understandable that this revelation has really enraged people. Um, And it really reminds me of our recent Joe Jonas and playing the victim episode. I think there's been a real reaction when people see sort of like these male stars trying to frame a woman as a sort of bad girlfriend, wife, mother, you know, that kind of storyline. Um, yeah. In fact, what's interesting, there's a new book out called Toxic Women, Fame and the Noughties by Sarah Dittum. I'll read out a bit of a review that I read. Dittum has written a reckoning with what she argues was an era-specific form of sexism, often accompanied by the open abuse of girls, which was the cultural miasma of her teens and early 20s. She also describes its corrosive effect on the young women who lived through that time. Ditton pinpoints at the start of the cultural decade as February 1999, when she first saw then 16-year-old Britney Spears turn as a sexualized schoolgirl in the video for Baby One More Time. It ends with Blurred Lines, the 2013 hit by Robin Thicke featuring T.I. and Pharrell, which by that time BuzzFeed was describing as rapey, itself a coy in-denial term. I just really want to get my hands on this book. (laughs) Yeah, it does sound really interesting. I think it puts things in context, actually, because this was the peak of Timberlake's era of success, really. So Mm. um, he was surrounded by that 
and that that was considered acceptable at the time it's not a justification but it does does set the tone and I think now we're in this sort of post me too world where there is a public reckoning coming in hindsight for for this behavior that that it was bad at the time but people didn't realize or or people weren't framing it in that way they they it was just they justified it so there is a reframing I think yeah, and there's a lot of content around that, like looking at the early 2000s and going, gosh, can we believe we carried on like that? Like we've talked before mm. like about raunch culture and yeah. just like the lads magazines. I mean, that's probably for another episode. But I really found this comment on Reddit fascinating. Um, and they wrote, it's getting harder and harder for celebrities to maintain a broad four quadrant mainstream appeal right now. Rich white straight men have been staying out of sight these past few years to avoid a huge public backlash. Hold on a second, though. What is the four quadrant appeal? Glad you asked. I'm going to explain because I found (laughs) this really interesting. Apparently, it's the ability to appeal to both young and old audiences, international and domestic, liberal and conservative. And as different demographics become increasingly radicalised, it's getting harder for celebrities to appeal to all of them simultaneously. For example, even Beyonce getting criticised by the left for going to sing in Dubai last year. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean... To be honest, I've always agreed with with the Betty Davis quote, if everyone likes you, you're not doing it right. (laughs) I think it's really dangerous to want everyone to like you. And we've talked in other episodes about projection, about people being triggered. You know, it's often other people's stuff as well. But um, it seems like you're setting yourself up for failure now if you're trying to appeal to everyone. But I can also understand that in terms of PR and selling, that's the ultimate goal. But as, mm-hmm. as you've said, it's it's becoming harder and harder as people become more divergent. Exactly. And what's interesting is we don't know much about what Timberlake really officially thinks about all this. He's not come out and made an official statement. Mm. But according to sources, he's apparently not happy at all that this has all come out. And he finds it odd that Britney still talks about him so much. Another source said, in recent years, Justin has tried to be supportive of Britney from a distance. They dated so long ago, but he still has respect for her. Justin and Jessica just want everyone to grow and evolve instead of continuing to bring up the past. And there were even suggestions that his PR firm created some fake social media posts to defend him. And and this was the content of the post. Two consenting adults made a joint decision what was best for them at that period in their lives. I see no issue. And I think a lot of people were playing sort of online detective and finding this uh, social media posts being sort of pumped out at the same time what looked like fake accounts and we're seeing mm. increasingly that this is a tactic people um, say that PR firms are using to defend their stars um, from sort of online backlashes but a lot of people are saying we're kind of really grasping at straws here we can't know for sure. No and 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 if it is it's it's certainly not a new tactic it's just that people are starting to become a bit more aware of it. Exactly. You know to be fair in recent years Timberlake has shown regret for his past treatment of Britney and he publicly apologised to her in 2021 following the release of the FX and Hulu documentary Framing Britney Spears. I guess my only question would be here, was it a genuine apology or again, was it a PR directed move to limit the damage? But we, we, we can't possibly know. It could have been very genuine. But I mean, I was surprised that even his wife, Jessica, had to shut down her own Instagram comments from the hate she was getting um, because this was way before her time, but mm. people were saying things like, how can you still be married to a man who destroyed their ex-girlfriend's psychological well-being? And I don't know that it's fair to say that he uh, single-handedly mm. is the cause for all of Britney Spears' psychological yeah. issues. Someone else said, 
if you think it's okay for fans to harass his wife and mother of his children over a relationship that ended 20 plus years ago, then you need just as much help as Britney does. I mean, that is interesting that she's getting so much hate because, I mean, for years she's been sort of like, Jessica Biel has been sort of like, there's been so many rumours that she's put up with so much shit with him, (laughs) including that and those rumours of cheating. I mean, I think a few years ago he was caught holding hands with his Palmer co-star Alicia Wainwright um, while Jessica was pregnant with their second child. Um, So there has been this sort of narrative that he's not such a doting husband and father as he portrays himself. But of course, these are all just rumours and it's hard to know for certain, but it just adds adds more to his story, right? Mm, Absolutely. I wanted to talk about the difficult transition from teen pop star to an adult star. You know, Justin Timberlake joined NSYNC when he was 14 and then Robbie Williams, he was recruiting to take that when he was just 16. Um, And yes, they achieved global superstardom and incredible riches. I don't think there's much to feel sorry for them about, but they have grown up in a fickle industry, you know, which is ultimately entertaining a hormonal teenage audience whose sympathies are passionate but volatile. Mm. And I found this great quote online. Growing pains for them are measurable in the millions of units they succeed or fail in shifting. The threat of public humiliation is ever present. I mean, that's so true. And when you look at someone like, um, I was thinking of like Justin Bieber, Mm. growing up in that much fame, being surrounded by so many yes people and the craziness, it's almost like, how could they not be an arsehole? I mean, it's not conducive to creating someone who is humble and well-balanced and grounded, is it? No, exactly. It's like they're this little prince, you know? Mm. And it was interesting because I did find this old review of Timberlake's um, Future Sex Love Sounds album. Timberlake apparently said when promoting it, when asked if it's going to push the sound of pop music, he said, if I'm not going to push it, then who else is going to push it? He said modestly. (laughs) What this translates into is an album so sex obsessed, it's best listened to in a cold shower, with Timberlake delivering lines such as, Daddy's on a mission to please, in a voice that's so... I can't read this. In a voice that sounds too boyish and sweet for such dubious promises. I think this writer's having gone to town on him here. I just love reading this so much. And then he goes on to say, it's the work of an ex-teen pop star whose keenness to establish himself as a grown-up sex symbol proves overbearing. Although the fluid, futuristic beats made in collaboration with the producer Timberland go some way towards living up to the singer's boasts. So anyway, I don't know how he can top himself, but he does top himself with (laughs) reviewing Rudebox, which came out from Robbie Williams at the same time. He says, it's needless to say, a disaster. No wonder Williams has spoken recently of quitting the music business. Williams sounds as if he knows he has reached the limits of his success. Too old to attract a teen audience, too end of the pier to crack the US and doesn't care much what happens next. And when you think about it, I mean, how many of these sort of breakout boy band stars have actually turned into true legends? Oh, uh... I mean, I can only really think of, in terms of full-on boy band, George Michael, I I nearly wanted to say Michael Jackson, if you count the Jackson 5. But yeah, I mean, essentially just George Michael. You could dance him in the 80s and in the 90s, he had the dinner party CD. So yeah. (laughs) And it really was. It was like every time you went to a dinner party, someone was like, yes, let's put on the George Michael double CD at the time. I remember that. George Michael has this incredible soulfulness, you know, that 
and there's credibility that I think has eluded a lot of these sort of former big stars. I mean, now you've got Harry Styles, but I, I, I often think like for every Harry Styles, Robbie Williams, Justin Timberlake and George Michael, there's also the former bandmates who get completely overshadowed in mm. a way. In fact, if there could not be more reasons to heap on Justin Timberlake at the moment, there's sort of questions around how he kind of overshadowed his other bandmates in NSYNC, including JC. And someone said online, not only did he have the looks, he had the talent to assist. JC's voice is often regarded as the group's power vocal, which stands true, considering he leads on 98% of the group's songs. And then someone else said, somewhere in the multiverse, JC was the big breakout solo star. The man has the voice of an angel. And there was also this rumour about why JC didn't make it as big as um, Justin Timberlake. Um, someone said, in a nutshell, his label was managing both him and Justin. They sabotaged JC on purpose, as otherwise it would have affected Justin's sales. It does seem like they always stump for one person they're going to make the breakout star. Because if I think of Take That, a lot of people mm. were surprised it wasn't Gary Barlow because of his singing. And actually, he was the songwriter. But... Mm. It's like they have to push a certain personality that they think is going to be most eaten up, let's say. <laughs> like Robbie yeah. Williams and, and Justin were the most sort of um, had the most star quality in what they, they say in that thing. And they decide to just really push it. It's like they put all their money in that basket. Yeah. And there was actually a lot of discussion online that said that Timberlake had organised the NSYNC reunion, which involves releasing a song, A Better Place, for a new Trolls film. And uh, many fans thought that that meant there'd be a world tour, but apparently not. So we found this comment on Reddit. It said, of course not. Like I've been saying for weeks now, the whole NSYNC thing was always going to be primarily for JT's advantage, even though Billboard also notes that an NSYNC tour could earn the group up to $100 million, money that presumably JC, Joey, Lance and Chris would appreciate. But then again, JT will always eat first before anyone else gets to eat. Still, it's been satisfying to see that he had to engage with the strategy in the first place because JT 10 years ago never would have. Ouch. That is really sad. It sort of feels like you should remember where you came from. Absolutely. You know, you don't want to lose legitimacy if you built it in a certain way. But at the same time, it's like they really need that paycheck and they haven't been as lucky as you have. Honestly, when I was researching this episode, it was so strange because I was struggling to find positive comments yeah. and be balanced about him. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and, and what's so interesting is like, like you said, 10, 20 years ago, you couldn't not find positive comments about him. That's like he couldn't do anything wrong. So it's a really interesting reckoning and it must be like a real shock to the system to go from king of the universe to essentially everyone's punching bag. Exactly. So, Lisa, what are your final thoughts on this topic? I mean, we've trawled once again through the internet for a whole load of comments and you really tried hard to find some positive ones for him <laughs> yeah. um, just to even it out. But but Lisa, what, what are your final thoughts on this topic today? Well, what was interesting when I was reading all these um, comments is I think a lot of people are searching for an answer to Britney Spears' behaviour. You know, we've seen for nearly 15 years that she struggled with her mental health and there's been a feeling that we've sort of been kept in the dark about her suffering and abuse. Mm. And, you know, myself, I often look at her Instagram and I'm searching for the Britney I once loved. I mean, she was an incredible presence in pop culture. But it also reminds me a little bit of the fixation with Princess Diana and the need to have a villain who's responsible for their sadness yeah. uh, and kind of situation. And yes, 
I do think we are agreeing that Justin is a pop star with a troubled track record, but many of the traits he's been criticised for, you know, excessive ambition, manipulation and a willingness to climb over others for success are part of the American dream. You know, the idea of winning at any cost. Mm. And this is also part of the corporate and business world where people will throw each other under the bus if they can get ahead and, and with no accountability. So I don't know about you, Sarah, but I think a lot of the outpouring on the comments is that there's a certain satisfaction that we can watch, uh, you know, to quote his song, what goes around comes around, play out. It's a reminder that karma can catch up with those who wronged us and it can be deeply gratifying. Mm. Yet, as someone online rightly noted, it's almost like no one is allowed to have a past. When it comes to Justin's role in the Britney chapter of his life, they were both very young. As for the rest of his behaviour, even up till recently, it serves as a stark reminder that celebrities just like us are real and have both good and flawed sides. I personally don't like to fully condemn someone unless they've done something truly terrible. As I know from experience that just like in real life, that seeing people we love in a full light can be a painful experience. Yeah, I think that's really well said. And, um, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a big thing about wanting to leave space for people to grow and change as long as they do, you know, while also having accountability. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for listening today. And we really look forward to seeing you next time. Indeed, we've got another mini episode coming out next week. And Sarah, I have to say that I'm freezing. I can't wait to go down and get a cup of tea. And for me, I can't wait to turn the air conditioning on. <laughs> Just not fair. Anyway, yeah, thank you for listening. See you next time. Bye. Thank you to our lovely producer, Emily. If you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to leave a review and subscribe. It really does help us in reaching more people. You can also follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at S2TC Podcast. You can find out more about the show, get behind the scenes, come and say hello. Until then, see you next time. This podcast has been produced by Emily Crosby Media.